It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson, and this is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Welcome to the program this evening. We have a ton to cover today, and I'm going to try to do it as expeditiously as possible while also trying to take your phone calls. What you need to know, though, right now, early voting has begun in Georgia. And a friend of mine who does this for a living, he decided to go out and analyze and see uh, what counties are lagging when it comes to the early vote and absentee votes. Now, this is important because it's not just early voting only started yesterday, so you've only got a day there. But absentee ballots have been circulating now, and who is behind? And I will tell you, there are some counties in the metro area that are lagging behind. Uh, Hall County in particular, the, the Republican of Republican areas, you are lagging behind in the absentee and early voting turnout. You are a Republican area. Hall County needs to turn out. Do you really want the Democrats who are even now filing lawsuits to overturn the election in Georgia? Do you really want them in charge of the Secretary of State's office? Do you really want them on the Public Service Commission? You need to turn out Hall County. You need to turn out uh, Henry Cobb and Gwinnett County Republicans. If you have friends in Muskogee or Bibb or Richmond or Chatham County as well, you need to turn out. Now, it is interesting that a number of these areas that are behind are actually areas where John Barrow should be able to generate a huge turnout, and it's not happening. Um, There is good turnout in Butts County, in Carroll County, in Jackson County, in Forsyth County, uh, Caida County, uh, Fulton County, Gilmer and Spalding County. There is good turnout there right now in early voting. Uh, Other areas in the state need to turn out. Uh, Republicans need to amp up the early vote and the absentee ballot generation for the special election. There are two big statewide races on the ballot. Everyone in the state will be voting on. One is the Secretary of State's race. That's Brad Raffensperger, who's the Republican, versus John Barrow, the former Democratic congressman. Uh, I have said for a very long time that Stacey Abrams' antics in the governor's race, her refusal to concede and all, had a lot to do with John Barrow. That as long as they could keep the sense of victimization alive among Democrats and keep them fueled, they hoped they could generate turnout for John Barrow. In fact, on the last day when she declared that she wasn't conceding, but at the same time the race was over, she started talking about John Barrow and how people needed to go out and vote for John Barrow. That's what all of this is about. The Democrats recruited John Barrow. They are desperate for him in the Secretary of State's office. Consider this. It's the Democrats who actually think that the Secretary of State can control the election and can pull strings in the election. And they accused Brian Kemp of steering the election to his benefit. Imagine what the Democrats, if they think that that's possible and that Brian Kemp did it, imagine what they would do if they took the Secretary of State's office So you need to go vote. The other one is Chuck Eaton, and that is the um, the Public Service Commission race. He is a very good guy. Uh, I like Chuck Eaton tremendously. 
Uh, he is a good level-headed guy. He's got a great business sense in the Public Service Commission. He's being attacked for the Public Service Commission continuing with the nuclear power plant. The power companies wanted to do it. We know at this point it's a bad deal, uh, but we also know economically it would be a worse deal to just shut it all down at this point. It would actually cost even more money to try to shut it down and, and scale it all back. Uh, he's he's a good guy. You need to vote for Chuck Eaton for the Public Service Commission. Uh, fundamentally, you've got to go support this guy for public service. Brad Raffensperger as well for Secretary of State. But again, Hall County, uh, Henry Cobb and Gwinnett, those, those areas are beneath where they should be, even for a runoff in absentee balloting and early voting. So go vote. Now, the Mississippi race, we should know this evening. I still think Cindy Hyde-Smith wins. I would note the lack of polling there. I would note the Democrats already trying to explain why they lost this race. Okay, the Mississippi race, it is today. Uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith versus Mike Espy. You know what people have not brought up? They uh, First of all, I think it is worth noting. I pointed this out on Twitter earlier. It is, I think, very much worth noting all of the people who are saying, all the women, look how many women are running for Congress. It's the year of the woman. None of them are doing that about Cindy Hyde-Smith. Have you noticed that? None of them are giving her the benefit of the doubt. None of them are saying she was taken out of context. None of them are defending her for attacks on her parents. Yeah, her parents were attacked. None of them were pointing out she was taken out of context in a numerous remarks that they're attacking her on, claiming she's a racist. No, no, no. They're not giving her the benefit of the doubt on any of these things, which just goes to show you again that they only care about the year of the Democratic woman. Did you remember that Mike Espy, he was Bill Clinton's Secretary of Agriculture, and he was indicted on 39 felony charges. 14 individuals were convicted. There were $10 million in fines, and he was tossed to Secretary of Agriculture. He himself, I don't believe, was convicted. 14 individuals he surrounded himself were convicted. $10 million in fines were imposed, and the Democrats want to send that guy to Mississippi, to Mississippi, to, to the Senate from Mississippi. Look, neither of these candidates is very good. Cindy Hyde-Smith actually is fairly well a blithering idiot, uh, but she will vote for judges like Kavanaugh and others. And she is actually not the racist the Democrats are trying to claim her as. Uh, at this point, it doesn't even matter. At this point, we see that the Democratic strategy moving forward is to just claim that everybody is racist. You know, I'm getting attacked today. So I, I from my monologue yesterday and the piece I wrote at the Resurgent this morning about we're actually going to need to find strong men in Central and South America who are on our side as opposed to China's side or the or Cuba's side and deal with them and, and the, the Pinochet types. And I actually say, don't actually mean Pinochet. He was a really terrible person and we don't need to find him, but we do are going to have to deal with uh, bad people down there. We are going to have to get our hands dirty, whether we like it or not. Oh, you're on the alt-right. You're a racist, too. You're on the alt-right for saying these things. No, I'm just pointing out reality. Uh, at this point, if you point out reality, the Democrats label you a racist. That's, that is their tactic now. Brian Kemp is a racist. Donald Trump is a racist. Cindy Hatt Smith is a racist. Brett Kavanaugh is a racist. Everybody's a racist unless they're a Democrat. You know who actually is not buying this? Black men are not buying this. Black men and Hispanic men in particular are beginning overwhelmingly to shift to the right. And they're doing so on cultural issues, you should understand, and also jobs issues. They understand individuality and the free market uh, benefit them. They also understand very fundamentally 
that um, on cultural issues from guns to abortion to you name it, the Democrats are on the wrong side of, of real history and they're moving to the right. It is something the Democrats don't want to grapple with because they can't accept it. And anyone who does it, they, they slander and they scream every white person who's not with them is a racist. Uh, look at all the outrage over white women voting for Brian Kemp in Georgia. They are all, all of them are racist for voting for Brian Kemp. White women are racist for voting for Brian Kemp, according to the Democrats. All these hand-wringing pieces. Speaking of Brian Kemp, uh, the resurgent gathering is going to be in Atlanta. August, uh, the, it's the first weekend in August. I think that's the first, second, third, and fourth. Uh, and Brian Kemp's team, they very graciously reached out today and, and said he'll be there. Uh, so you'll get to interact with the governor uh, at the resurgent gathering. We are looking at about 700 people. I'm actually going to go personally invite the vice president to come. I hope he'll be able to. Uh, we will have a number of senators from around the country coming. I'm going to reach out to David Perdue and Johnny Isaacson, see if they will be there. I would love to have them as well. I'd love to have you. It'll be at the Grand Hyatt Atlanta next August. If you want to come, it's only 99 bucks. Text the word Atlanta to 345-345, and I'll get you the registration link. Uh, that should be a good time. But, man, and one of the things I'm sure we'll be asking Brian Kip, even in August next year, about the Democratic attacks that he's some sort of hateful, bigoted racist um, for daring just to be conservative. Just to be conservative. That's going to get you attacked these days. You, you offer any conservative thought, and somehow or another, you're a member of the alt-right for daring to be conservative. See how they're blurring the lines now? They keep walking it and narrowing the window by which you're an acceptable person on the right. And really, the only acceptable person on the right is someone who hates the president all the time and votes Democrat. And, well, that person is not actually a conservative. It is 26 after the hour. Uh, <laughs> Charlie just found the... NBC News reporter who has declared me part of the the far right or alt right uh, over Pinochet helicopter uh, memes because of the piece I wrote where the guy didn't actually bother to read the what I wrote 996 words he didn't bother to write he saw the tweet with the title and um, decided that I must be some part of the alt right guys apparently a, a blithering idiot multiple people inside NBC have told me so I'm not too worried about it <laughs> good grief uh, we'll get to that piece in a moment by the way but you know I I want to mention something and and this is a, a friend of mine is is one of the people who does this we've had a very interesting conversation about the uh, ground game in Georgia what happened to the metro Atlanta suburbs and. So his his uh, company is called Campaign Sidekick. It's a really cool company, and I, I've recommended it to several of you who ran for office, all of you who used him won. Uh, the Kemp campaign used his technology. It's called Campaign Sidekick, and what it does is it they basically bring in paid door knockers. It's not enough to rely on volunteers anymore in politics. In Georgia, you talk to any local Republican Party, and they will tell you they have the hardest time finding people who are willing to knock on doors for candidates. In fact, we didn't have anybody knock on our door in our neighborhood, and, and we've gotten them in the past. So this campaign sidekick company, it actually has paid, trained professionals. They come in, they knock on doors, tell people about candidates. They know how to persuade undecided voters. They know how to rally decided voters. Well, guess what didn't happen in Atlanta? I want to tell you why when we come back.
It is 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB, and the phone number is 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. Now, let me spend just a few minutes on the suburban Atlanta area. First of all, let me say one of the things that I think has everybody freaked out right now after the election is this idea that suddenly suburban voters who have been reliably Republican have shifted left. There's actually no data to support that. You know, you go through a period after an election is over where everybody tries to say, I won because of X. Like, for example, um, Lucy McBath says she won because suburban voters, they, they want more gun control. They, they, they want regulations of guns. There's actually no data for that. Or you've got a, a person out in Oklahoma who says, I won because I, I stood up on education. There's actually no data for that in that race. Um, all of the data suggests that the suburban voters who tend to vote Republican suddenly voted Democrat because they are tired of Donald Trump. That's it. Now, you may not be tired of Donald Trump and your suburban friends may not be tired of Donald Trump, but there is a class of voter that you and I often don't talk about, and that is called the general only voter. They don't show up in Republican primaries. They don't show up in Democratic primaries. They are the largest pool of voter. And they vote in the general election and they tend to vote Republican and they voted Democrat this time because they're tired of Donald Trump. You know who they voted for? They voted for Republican candidates who were able to differentiate themselves significantly from Donald Trump. And that's just a fact. Uh, there are Republican voters in the suburbs, or and I shouldn't say, I should say general only Republican leaning voters in the in the suburbs who they didn't even bother voting for Karen Handel because they're fed up with Donald Trump and they're fed up with Republicans not holding him accountable. And again, you can disagree. You can say, uh, you know, my anecdote says, I'm telling you what the data says. I'm telling you what the adjusted exit polling says. And the adjusted exit polling is the best, most accurate polling you will ever get because it is actually people at the polls who voted being questioned and you get up to 3,000 of them. In this case, in Georgia, I think it was 2,900 uh, people who voted were there and they adjusted it based on they had people at all the polling locations keeping track of the, the gender mix and the, and the racial mix and they adjusted the polls to conform to that and you get really accurate polling. But you know, there's something else we miss. The ground game. The reason Brian Kemp won and did so well is because his campaign knocked on doors in South Georgia and North Georgia and rural areas and turned out those voters. And they actually used a uh, company, the CEO of which is a very dear friend of mine. Uh, it's called Campaign Sidekick. Uh, my buddy Drew, uh, his dad was actually the Olympian, Jim Ryan, uh, also congressman. Uh, Drew's company, Campaign Sidekick, actually has a trained staff, and they train others to go with them. They put people on payroll, and they go out and they knock door to door. And the Kemp campaign funded this door-to-door -door operation all over Georgia, except I am told by several people, uh, and that does not include Drew, who I, I leave him out of these things because I never want him to get blamed by this stuff, but several people who know said the RNC was going to commit to covering the costs of suburban Atlanta as they were going to cover the costs in several other suburban areas around the country, and the RNC 
failed to actually put up the money to do it. And I would venture to speculate, and I think accurately so, that one of the reasons Republicans like Karen Handel uh, lost in Metro Atlanta, why Kemp did terribly in Metro Atlanta, has more to do with a failure to organize a get-out-the-vote effort to target the general-only voters who might still be persuaded to vote for them because no one actually foot the cost of it. It was too overwhelmingly expensive for the Kemp campaign. They were focused on the rural and the exurban areas, the, the, the for example, Forsyth County, Cherokee County, that area. They weren't focused on the Cobwin area. That was the RNC's job, and they weren't going to duplicate efforts, and the RNC dropped the ball there. You know, this campaign sidekick company, uh, a group down in Florida also hired them to go door-to-door for DeSantis and for Rick Scott and knock on doors. The the Scott campaign, the DeSantis campaign, focused their energies on advertising. They didn't actually spend their money on a door-to-door campaign until they realized it was too late. So this company was parachuted in by an outside group and did massive door-to-door effort in the last month and a half of the campaign. And what they do is so fascinating to me, and it's horrifying that the RNC did not do it in the suburban Atlanta area. So here's the here's what these companies do. This is what Campaign Psychic does, and I've seen their, their back end, and it's really awesome. So they can pull in every single registered voter from the voter file, and they put it in a database. And then they say, okay, I only want to go knock on the doors of people who don't vote in primaries, the general-only voters. I only want to go knock on the doors of general-only voters, but, 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 I only want to knock on the doors of general-only voters who we have data that suggests that they're, they watch Fox News or they hunt regularly. Those are probably conservatives, or they're an NRA member, probably conservatives. So we can pull all those people out and, and show you these are the people in this area. And then you can draw a circle on a map and say, I only want to knock on doors in this area. And it orders a door list, puts them in a walking order so you can walk a path without ever crisscrossing back over where you've come from. And it shows you the names of the people. You knock on the door and then you log a button. I've talked to this person. This person is concerned about X issue. Uh, We should revisit this person. This person should get mail. And you can track it that way. So you can micro-target the voter at their door. And here's what all of the data shows. A voter who receives a visit to their door and makes face-to-face contact with a campaign volunteer is more likely to vote for that person than one who just sees an ad or gets a mail piece. The more people who have live door-to-door face contact with a voter, the better they do. And you know who did a really, really good job in the suburban Atlanta area? Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams and outside third-party groups did an unbelievable job in the metro Atlanta area, busting in students and others to knock on doors to get out the vote for Abrams. And it very nearly worked. And the RNC dropped the ball. Um, I, I Look, I can't recommend uh, Campaign Psychic enough. Not an ad. I just I, I know Drew's a friend. I've seen it. This is what I advocated for years when I was a campaign consultant. Do this sort of work. Very few campaigns want to put in the time. Brian Kemp put in the time. And look at what happened with Brian Kemp. He put in the time and he was able to generate record numbers of turnout in rural South Georgia and North Georgia. And that really saved his race when the RNC failed to do the same in Metro Atlanta. His campaign knew what they needed to do and they executed almost flawlessly in those areas. We've got to have more Republicans doing ground games like what Brian Kemp did. It's 55 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. Welcome. When we come back, 
your phone calls at 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. But first, when we come back, I have really made liberals livid today. Actually, they're really livid that more people aren't livid with me over this Pinochet remark. I need to explain it to you. Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5, AM 750, WSB. We need to talk about the caravan right now. Uh, before we move to calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK are the numbers. But we got to talk about the caravan, and i got to play you this audio from MSNBC, because this is, this is MSNBC talking about this. MSNBC talking about the people in the caravan. They've reached the American border, and guess what? They found out it's not so easy to get into the United States. Hey, good morning, Angie. I want to show you. This is the breakfast line here at the shelter for the migrant caravan, and this is uh, some of those women and children that you've been seeing. Uh, they are standing here in line as they do twice a day, and some of them may be eligible for asylum in the United States, uh, but Andrea, they are the minority of this caravan. Instead, uh, most of the members of this caravan Caravan. Uh, this is a line for single men that you can see, and it stretches uh, much longer as it does every single morning. Uh, many of these men tell us that they heard in Honduras that it would be easy to cross into the United States. Some of them told us that they had heard that there were programs, work programs, that they would be eligible for. And so now that they are here in Tijuana uh, and they have realized that it is very difficult to, to get into the United States, especially after uh, what happened on Sunday, some of them are deciding to turn back. In fact, I want to show you this over here. Uh, this is a tent that's been set up. Uh, by uh, a bunch of different governmental agencies here in Mexico. Uh, but this is where people come if they want to go back to Honduras or Guatemala or El Salvador. These are people uh, that have decided uh, that it is time to go back. And time to go back. They got there. They're like, no, I can't get in. And we may be making it harder to get into the United States uh, by expanding the border wall, the president is suggesting he may want a government shutdown over it. Jim Jordan, uh, who looks like he's not going to be minority leader this coming year, looks like Kevin McCarthy's going to get it. I'm a big Jim Jordan fan. I really love the guy. Great guy. Uh, but uh, Jordan is out saying they absolutely need to fund the border wall while Republicans still control Congress in this lame deck session. They need to get it done. And I think he's right. Listen to this. We got to We got to insist on it. We got to push for it. That's why they left the, the Department of Homeland Security bill. That's why it's the one bill we haven't funded right. yet. The one agency we haven't funded. Let's put it on that bill. This this is exactly what we're supposed to do. This is exactly what we told the American people we were going to do. Let's stand firm. Let's make the argument. The things that have happened in the last few weeks with this yeah. caravan. Everyone understands this needs to be this needs to get done. So let's get it done. Yes. Yes. I actually I do support the border wall, but I made a point last night. Uh, OK, maybe I shouldn't have been flippant with the helicopter thing, but come on. Um, the, Augusto Pinochet was the dictator of Chile. We the United States supported a military coup. In the early 1980s, uh, progressive leftist historians have really uh, ruined Pinochet. And Pinochet is not a good guy. I'm not defending Pinochet. He was a terrible person. Uh, he actually killed Americans. He actually killed Americans in the United States. And that was a ruthless dictator. 
But what leftist historians have tended to do is they've tended to downplay the communist side in Chile, who were just as ruthless. Pinochet actually rounded these people up, literally rounded them up and flew out to to deprive them of due process, shoved them out helicopter doors into the Pacific to their deaths. Communists, ruthless communists. I mean, you're, you're, it's one of those situations where you should be rooting for injuries, but this was the height of the Cold War. The Soviets were trying to install uh, communists in Chile, and we were trying to prevent it. Reagan backed the military coup. Pinochet came to power and actually was a, a free market uh, advocate. And it's so interesting now to see people try to revise the free market hi- history in Chile, which has become a, an economic powerhouse in South America, is vastly more stable than other governments there. And Pinochet actually had something to do with that. And of course, no, 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 he wrecked the economy. No, no, no. no actually, the, the facts don't bear that out. You know what our, our foreign aid to Chile is? $2 million. $2 million. They have gone through a very rough patch. After Pinochet left, they did have to rebuild their democracy. They did have to uh, reestablish constitutional institutions. They did. He was a terrible person. But... Uh, He was not a communist. And would you have rather had Pinochet there or the communists? Because people tend to ignore the fact that it was an either-or situation. It wasn't a something-else situation at the time. And Reagan decided better this bad guy than the bad guy who's going to stand with the Soviets, possibly allowing them to build bases in Chile and whatnot. We give Chile now $2 million in foreign aid. In El Salvador, it's $75 million. Guatemala, $297 million. Nicaragua, 31 million, Honduras, 127 million, Mexico, $88 million. Mexico, by the way, I know the Mexicans don't like to say this, but it's a failing state. I mean, you've got parts of Mexico now that are completely outside the control of the government. Uh, It is, it's crazy. uh, The outrage though, that has been generated by leftists who are actually, they're not even outraged at me so much as they're outraged at other people for not being outraged at the point I made in this piece. My point in the piece was that we don't need to go find the Pinochets who are going to shove people out of helicopters. You know, I, I didn't support the president in 2016 in large part because I thought we, he, we'd give him, we may get everything we want, but I still think he's a, a morally corrupt person. And I don't necessarily think we need to strike alliances with people who are morally corrupt, even though he gives us what we want, whether here or abroad. But we do have to deal with the real world. And in the real world, we're all sinners. And in the real world, we have other countries that do not have our best interests at heart. One of those countries is called China. China would love to do what the Soviets did in the Cold War and would love to establish some beachheads in the Western Hemisphere. And in fact, they're buying up mining rights. They're buying up the rights to the Panama Canal. And and I really do think that we can't just build a wall. The reason we can't just build a wall is because we're going to keep having these caravans. And at some point, there's not going to be President Trump. There's going to be President Liberal Democrat, who's going to open the doors and the walls and let these people in as the caravans keep coming. we got to solve underlying the problems with the caravan ultimately. And we solve those problems by rebuilding governments in Central and South America. And if you've got uh, thugs who are supporting China or Russia or Cuba, well, I think we can spend some money and try to find people who are better than that, who are more willing to support Western values, even if they're ruthless people too, although hopefully not as ruthless as Pinochet. But man, all these people are like, we can't get our hands dirty. So you're okay with Barack Obama striking a deal with Iran 
that emboldens Iran and, in fact, will let Iran get a nuclear weapon. You're okay with Barack Obama doing it. You just don't want Trump doing it. That's kind of the, the frustration with this border situation here. Uh, Barack Obama's uh, border patrol agents, they tear gassed people regularly at the border trying to come across, and the left never said anything. But pepper spray, oh, my God, Donald Trump, you can't do that. Barack Obama uh, trying to work with, with the political leadership side of Hamas, trying to work with Iran, you name it. Oh, yeah, he can do that. But go out and, and find our own strong men in Central and South America who are supporting us instead of letting MS-13 run free or work, letting China establish us. Oh, we can, Donald Trump can't do that. Folks, you've got to solve the problem of the caravan ultimately, because at some point you are going to have a Democratic president again. And that guy is going to let those people in, wall or no wall. So the question is, what do you do to stop it? And maybe the right answer is not go find the strong men who support us in those countries and help them, as opposed to the thugs who currently operate these places who are socialists uh, subsidized by Cuba and China. But I think that's more headed in the right direction. We can't just scream about the wall. And it is amazing to me that leftists who are okay cutting uh, with Barack Obama cutting deals with Iran, they're okay with Barack Obama cutting deals with the political leadership in Hamas and you name it. Uh, they're okay with all of that. But oh my gosh, you, you bring up Pinochet, you bring up the, the strong men in Central and South America who are actually pro-Western, pro-free market. Oh no, can't have that. that. That's awful. How dare you say that? You're not a serious person. Folks, hey, I'm offering a more serious solution than they are to this problem. I'm not endorsing going to find the next Pinochet. And I said that in the piece. They, of course, ignored the piece. But I am saying we're going to have to get our hands dirty. Uh, there are no pure people in South America walking on water. Uh, we got to find people to bring some stability to these governments. Brazilian citizens took it into their own hands, and it appears they've elected a Trump-like figure down there to try to clean this stuff up. Yes, they're all corrupt um, kleptocracies down there. We got to find the the least corrupt of the kleptocrats and try to support those people, though, so that we can try to stop the incentives for the caravans happening. Nobody seems to want to talk about that, though. They would rather yell about the wall. It's 26 after the hour, and I'm Eric Erickson here. I will take your phone calls in just a minute. Uh, apparently we have a basketball game coming up though, so we'll make it quick. Now, let's see. I've got time. I'm going to go to Mike from Marietta. Thanks for being patient. Hey, well, thank And I'm, I'm sorry that I'm going back, but that's um, all right. I, I don't understand how, maybe you can explain it to me. I don't understand how conservatives can be so tired of Trump's conservative leadership that they would vote for socialism. How does that work? Uh, well, because they're not conservatives. These are general-only voters. They consider themselves ideologically free of anchors. Um, they are moderates. Uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes from any member of Congress ever is from Barney Frank, of all people. And <laughs> Barney Frank said, be a liberal or be a conservative. Don't be a moderate because liberals and conservatives stand for things and moderates will fall for things. That's uh, true. It, yeah, and, and listen, I, I don't mean to attack the people who yeah. they, they, they eschew party politics, they turn their nose up at it, they don't want to affiliate, they just want to go vote, uh, but these are not ideologically grounded people. Um, they, they vote on personality. They tend to like Republicans because they think it helps their pocketbook, they tend to think it'll it'll help their schools and things like that, but they just they dislike the president, uh, and it's all personality-driven. They vote for people they like. They didn't Not like Brian. At the time. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so they, they didn't like Brian Kemp because he was too tied to Donald Trump. They don't like Donald Trump. Uh, so they voted Democrat. And you find a Republican they like, they'll go back to him. Um, you know, I just... I, I, again, I, I don't mean to disparage general-only voters, but we gotta. We always talk, because we think po- politically, those of us who do talk radio, those of us who listen to talk radio, there are a lot of people who do vote because they feel like it's required of them, their civic participation, but they're not political. And we can't forget about those people, and they tend to vote Republican in Georgia, and they didn't this time. we got to find ways to persuade them to, to vote Republican and engaging them in voter contact door to door efforts is the best way to do it. And the Republicans did not do that in the metro area. And don't blame Brian Kemp for this. Uh, it was the RNC that should have done it and they didn't. We got to do this for David Perdue come 2020. We got to get involved there in the ground game in the suburbs.